Hello, my name is Michael Albert, and I am the host of the podcast that's titled Revolution Z. This will be our 270th consecutive episode. Recently, Alexandria Shainer, a frequent guest and who is with us this time for our first Revolution Z three-person show, interviewed our guest this time, Nicholas Widmark, for an article on ZNet that's titled Singles Project for the Love of Activism. Nicholas is co-founder and worker-owner of Singles Project, which that interview discussed. He is also on a volunteer public speaking team called Green Speakers at Greenpeace Sweden, and is active with several other democracy advocacy organizations. He was born in Sweden, grew up in New England, and now lives in Sweden again. His Singles Project website can be seen at Singles Project, that's one word, dot O-R-G, and there are various uh, language possibilities. So, Nicholas, welcome to Revolution Z. Thanks very much, Michael. Thanks very much for having me. This is my first podcast, so it's a real honor. Oh, they're, uh, they're all over the place now. I'm a little surprised to hear that, but hopefully you'll do uh, many more to help generate interest in your project. So suppose to start, you give us an overview of what the Singles Project is, its current status, and where it hopes to be soon. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> the Singles Project is essentially a, there are different ways to frame it, but the way I usually do it is that it is a, a fundraising and volunteering platform in the form of a values-based dating app. So what we do is that we invite uh, users to make a donation through our platform to any one of our uh, participating uh, nonprofits, uh, after which they can download our app and gain our access to our community of common causes. And we also have a volunteering uh, function, which we hope will uh, lead to more participation in general. Uh, so we just launched in Sweden last week. Uh, and we have laid the groundwork for uh, New York. So we have a, a company registered in New York. And in, in America, there are fundraising regulations. So you also have to register as a professional fundraiser in each state that you have to or that you want to be active in. So we're ready to go in New York and Washington, D.C. So if there are any uh, values aligned organizations registered in either of those areas, we're, we're very happy to talk to you. And then we're also um, registered to do business in California. And as soon as we have some nonprofits on board there, we can uh, link them in as well. So, so somebody who wants to use this, what are they doing? They are accessing the site, signing up as you would to a dating app. Is that correct? And it, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's, that's exactly. It's, it's a bit of a roundabout process. So we ask them to make the donation through the website because of the, um, the way that apps work and in-app payment, in payments work. So through our website, we only uh, have to deal with a payment provider called Stripe. And then once they've made the uh, donation through our platform, uh, then they go to whatever their Play Store or whatever they're called, and they, they download our app and then they, uh, they get access to it with you know, using the same email address which is a very roundabout uh, way of going about it. And we realize that's a real like potential killer. But if we did it through the in-app payments, 
then we would lose uh, another 30% uh, because Google and Apple charge that for, uh, for in-app payments. Just to get the technical stuff out of the way, um, you said different states have different conditions and I'm sure different countries do. Is there one site or is there a site for Sweden, a site for New York, a site for Washington, et cetera? Well, this is, yeah, that's a really good question. And this was a real big miss on our part uh, last week. Uh, we had separated the U.S. site completely from the Swedish site uh, precisely because of the fundraising regulations in the states and because they are so strict. So as an example, we are registered in New York now. And because Washington, D.C. does not have fundraising regulations, we can do, but we are registered to do business there. We can have users in New York and Washington, D.C., and once we register as a fundraising professional in the state of California, then we can link them in as well. And users from all three of those states can interact and, with each other and they can donate to their. Yeah. So I'm in Connecticut and I hear this, uh, this podcast and I say, well, this is interesting. I want to go see it. And I look and go see it. And then I want to make a donation, volunteer and use the the dating facility, but I can't. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. That's a real frustration on our part too. I mean, it's it's just we we deal with the regulatory framework that exists. Uh, but yes, that's exactly right. So we'll start in New York, uh, Washington, and add on California, and then we were thinking about adding Massachusetts. Uh, so basically. This gets into the politics right away, but basically states that are sort of aligned with uh, like a general progressive uh, train of thought. But, but, but again, just I just think that people should know. So if somebody goes to the site and they're in Wisconsin exactly, and they, and they, they like the thing, there's something on the site that takes their address and it precludes taking an address that's outside New York or wherever you're registered. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be limited to uh, like New York and Washington and California, unfortunately. Even though the person is, is sitting in Wisconsin and trying to do it. Yeah. Have exactly. you? Okay. And so what happens? They just get a message that says, you know, we're working on, Exactly. And if we get enough uh, people, we'll keep track of that as well, where they write from. And if we get enough interest uh, from them, and almost as importantly, if not more importantly, if we get enough interest from nonprofit organizations in those states, then naturally we would love to, uh, to add them. But essentially our model works. Uh, <laughs> I'll explain it all uh, as we go. But uh, it is based on having partnerships with nonprofits, and we are a fundraising tool for nonprofits. So effectively, they become, they use us as a tool, an incentive to get donations. And that also has the uh, like converse effect of marketing us for us. When, when somebody joins in New York, um, say, they can give a donation. But are the recipients all in New York? Exactly. So the, the way the, the fundraising regu regulations work are, and it does differ from state to state. There are a few states that don't have any fundraising regulations like Washington, or that's a district, but anyhow, and a few others. And then in New York, uh, they say that uh, it can. it's not only that we can only raise money for nonprofit organizations that are registered in the state of New York with the Charities Bureau, 
we can only uh, open it up to residents of New York. And that is supposed to protect. So the, the Charities Bureau basically has, uh, they are responsible for the state of New York. So if people come in from other uh, states and maybe we scam them, then there, there's no like legal recourse for those people. Uh, I see. I, I, don't, I don't want to keep going with all this technical stuff, although I have to admit I, <laughs> I am developing more questions as we speak and also thoughts about maybe a runaround um, from some yeah, of sure. these problems. But later for all that. Um, for now, let's... Um, get into the the political dimensions of what it is that you're trying to do, which are unusual and varied, I think. So, okay, I get that the project aims to provide exemplary structure. I got that from the site and also the interview you did with Alexandria. So you're trying to be democratic and, and essentially embody left values and be unalienated and for socially concerned people to meet other socially concerned people to date, um, to explore relationships, and along the way, or as an equal part of it, to provide a channel for donations to partnered worthy projects. And I agree, all those are valuable services, and I think everybody listening will too, I hope so, but I wonder Beyond offering those services, what kind of new impact on activism and on left values and commitments you may hope to inspire by this pretty unusual approach? Are there problems in left movements that you hope your project will reveal, address, and perhaps even in time uh, correct? Yeah, that's a big question, and that's a good one. Uh, and I don't really know. I mean, we we have these aims, and it's sort of you do the best that you can. Uh, and we've already gotten some feedback slash uh, criticism uh, from various organizations that you know they don't feel that we're doing enough or whatever. Uh, and there's some crowds that you just can't please. Um, but we are trying to. So uh, we, as I said in the article. We understand that uh, like in these constituent parts, we're not going to change the world. But what we are hoping to do is to provide an incentive, not only to keep these organizations going, but to get people involved in those organizations. Uh, and if there is or any way that you can get people to uh, like incentivize them to, to show up, uh, because that's what change is about. It's collective democratic participation, or at least that's what my theory of change is. So yeah, the volunteer function, we hope, maybe not right away, but as we grow, then that can morph into, uh, and work, we can work with other people to make that as, yeah, as best possible uh, so that we can get more people involved and not necessarily just people uh, on the left. Uh, it's, I mean, we want to appeal to everybody and getting them involved, I think at least, that leads to the kind of thinking that leads to change. And then also, yes, as uh, there aren't many uh, examples of uh, worker-owned companies that are popular. Uh, there are a few, and I think that the biggest ones so far have been uh, some breweries in, in America. Uh, and they unfortunately, uh, or maybe fortunately for the people there, uh, they were bought up by bigger breweries. So they sort of disappeared as uh, like, 
an example. And there's still Mondragon, uh, and then there's the John Lewis partnership in England, and those are uh, employee-owned uh, companies. But there's no real like, you know, youth-related example uh, that. So you can't point to anything and say, okay, but does this exist? Is it cooperative? It sounds nice, but does it work? And we hope to be an example of that. Alexandria, you're um, nodding. Just, um, yeah, I'm nodding and, and thinking back. Um, I'm, I'm more familiar with this project now um, because, as you said, Nicholas and I just did an interview. Um, we released it right around Valentine's Day as an effort to kind of draw attention to a a decommodified version of what the sentiments, the supposed sentiments behind Valentine's Day could be. So I think it, there's very obviously, okay, if it's a dating app, there's this romantic aspect where um, wouldn't it be nice if we had more relationships, both romantic and in, in communities that included our activism or, or just included participation in life beyond what we're very often presented with, which is just like a very tokenized representative version of having efficacy in, in changing how we live and changing our ability to, to self-determine all kinds of things. And so I'm trying to think back to when I first heard about this project to put myself in, in the listener's position right now. And I think what jumped out at me was um, kind of this idea of how our our family life or our like friendships are um, are kind of like domestic spheres of life seem very very separate and insular. Um, you know, we can talk about like. Um, more of a feminist interpretation of like the nuclear family or even um, an alienation uh, away from work or our environment. But there's there's all this disconnect. And I talk about this on Revolution Z all the time that whatever lens you look through, there's disconnect. And this just seemed like a really cool idea to me of not just that it's fundraising for nonprofits, which we always need that. Um, and and not just that it's a way for people to find opportunities to get out there and volunteer or to donate, but that it, it seemed like a mechanism to actually connect the personal and the relationship component of communities with activism, with participation to actually change our communities and change our life. So yeah, to me that, that was really the most interesting part is like, how, how can we make people fall in love with activism or how can we make people get, get excited and like interweave their, their participation in society with their actual personal life? Because it's, to me, it's not natural that this is separated, but it very much is separated in most of our lives. Um, <laughs> Nicholas, I don't know if I've <laughs> gone off the deep end from the project and, Channeled my, in, my inner Kalantai or my my inner hooks and like really, but th this no. is kind of when I first heard about the project. Why I was like, oh, I want to interview this person and and hear more about it um, because I think this is something that we need to be thinking more of. How do we connect our social change work to our personal lives in relevant ways? No, it's it's uh, Alexandria is so much better a spokesperson for this whole thing than I am. I mean. <laughs> 
I told you all the technical mumbo jumbo. And then Alexandria is like, yeah, but love. Um, but so, yeah, that's exactly, I, I think that that is exactly our uh, aim. I was actually uh, corresponding with a researcher of activism and I emailed her and, and told her about uh, what we were doing. And uh, yeah, she thought that it was a fantastic idea and in the same sort of way that like there's, there's just an, yet another, any way that you can get people to get involved uh, is good and is needed. Uh, and to create that, like Alexandria said, like you get rewarded right away. Uh, and it's not just, which is an amazing thing among activists, but here do this because it's a higher calling and you just like leave your soul uh, at the site of these events. And instead we, we are saying, which I get anyhow, uh, is a friendship connection. But what if we could try to structure it uh, in a way so that we aim to connect people uh, in sort of a like more love-like fashion. But yeah, and there are different ways that I know I'm rambling about uh, the, uh, the, the people that we're talking to, but we're also, we want to see ourselves as a lab for various types of like improvement. So we're talking to a um, privacy uh, organization and they are specifically interested in maintaining uh, privacy, like the most privacy possible. And I said, hey, look, see our uh, app as a lab and say, we have these constraints, so we have to match people and you have to be able to have certain information available to match people. But if you can come up with a way that makes it more private, you know, perfect. Uh, we want to be uh, the best that we can be. And if we're successful, then I think that we can bring a lot of other people with us. So it sounds like one of the motivations, I suppose you could call it, is, as you said, providing an incentive, providing a mechanism to bring people in and volunteer and give funds, but also to just be part of something humane. I, I want to ask if you've thought of it after the getting folks in, keeping folks. The way I came to this kind of stance, I suppose, was by looking at the history of the left and discovering that if everybody stayed instead of leaving after they first arrived, we would have, if not won already over the past 50 years, um, certainly be very much closer to winning. And I called it the stickiness problem. And I said that basically the left is not sticky. That is, people, when they get in the vicinity of it, for some reason, we're supposed to be the good people. We're supposed to be caring people. We're supposed to be loving people. We're supposed to be people trying to make the world better. And yet people leave, which seems disorienting and disturbing. People should want to stay. And it seems to me part of the reason people leave is because their lives get worse. Because literally joining the left introduces into their lives more pain than pleasure. And so however great the political or moral commitment to staying, the repulsiveness, to use a strong word, of being involved causes people to leave. Now, people don't like when I say things like that, but how else do you explain millions upon millions of people coming into contact with the left and then disintegrating and, and leaving? I mean, is there a notion that, that what you're doing at least 
tries and is trying to create a different kind of left, to create a left that is more welcoming, but not just more welcoming, more fulfilling over a longer haul. Is that part of the part of the thinking? Um, I mean, hopefully it is. Uh, we do have, these are all very grandiose plans. Uh, but yeah, we do have uh, yet another thing that we want to introduce. This is another one of those, I don't want to get too much into the technical part of it, but we want to also, we want to expand it into all sorts of different things. We want to add video profiles and we also want to add a portal for these organizations so that they can reach out to their users on our uh, site or their donors on our app. And that will hopefully get people more involved. But yes, as a general problem, I totally agree with you. We can be one of the like ways of solving that. We can add to it, but I don't want to make any claims about, yeah, we're going to you know solve the, the, the meat sure. grinder problem of the left. But yes, I totally agree with you. And affinity groups and just sort of self-care in general needs to, it is a big part uh, of the sort of activist left. Uh, but yes, it, it definitely needs to be more proactively pursued by uh, all parties. I notice you're in Greenpeace. So yeah. let's take that as, a, as an example. Okay, so I don't know Greenpeace Sweden. I don't even know Greenpeace the U.S. beyond, you know, marginally. But I would wager that in these organizations, which are quite large, this is not, you know, a small, tight-knit group. This is a large organization. The interrelations and the personal relations among people with each other and probably with people outside the group could be better. Let's put it that way. Could be more fulfilling. And if that's true, maybe the service that you're offering these progressive organizations could be not only access to money, to donations, and not only the possibility of volunteers, but a possible tool for them to improve the interpersonal lives, the love life, the sex life of their members. Has yeah, that crossed absolutely. people's minds? I try to sell it this way. In fact, one of my, I, I have to vary the way that I approach these organizations and watch what I uh, say, but a thing that would appeal to me and I therefore use it for them is I suggest that whoever I'm reaching out to. So just say that I haven't really talked to Greenpeace formally about it yet, but if I were to reach out to them, then I say, yes, essentially what we are trying to do is create a, an app so that it is almost as if Greenpeace had its own dating app yeah. and you could feel like you could beyond like two people meeting, you build a community and just in my own personal experience with Greenpeace, we were talking about, or when you were talking about this whole like being repulsed by the activism, I do uh, get that impression from just sort of the general uh, climate justice movement in general. And it's not repulsed, it's just that they are, um, they become, they give so much of themselves that the self care becomes difficult because somebody asks you a question and just the the act of asking you like could you it almost becomes dangerous uh like because they won't say no when they very much should say no so at greenpeace we're lucky to have uh, and i have been working with them for years now but uh, what we call volunteer coordinators 
and they are very active about that themselves. So if there is an ask for uh, an activity, then they will sometimes specifically and intentionally preclude me from that because they feel like, hey, listen, he's been doing a lot now. And I just I don't even think that we should ask him because he might say yes, uh, which I think is a very thoughtful and very kind thing to do. Uh, and they're right that uh, I do show up to these things. I've been exhausted for the past couple of weeks because even enthusiasm can be exhausting. Uh, but I have showed up for a, a couple of, of demonstrations that I thought about afterwards. I was like, oh, that was nice. And I feel like better for having gone because the guilt is gone. But I should not have I should have rested uh, instead of going to those demonstrations. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. So definitely a sense of community, broader community. And this is when uh, you were talking about uh, earlier about like sort of left organizations and I don't know if you would consider a public library a left organization, but I don't really think of it as like specifically left, but we would love to work with them as well. And if you have those people on your app and then they're connecting with people from Greenpeace or whatever it might be, hey, then you get people to, to think about things from a different uh, perspective. And the people from the public library, I think they're very much open to, but maybe don't know about activism and how to get involved. That's basically my whole thing is how to get people involved. Uh, so yeah, that's part of it, definitely. I, just to interject, I had a light bulb moment by that policy you described of Greenpeace where there are active coordinators who kind of, their job is to have in mind the well-being of others. And sometimes that includes not asking because you're right. A lot of us can't say no, even when we should. And even when we're trying to work on it, on that habit, like it's, it's difficult. Um, so yeah, I, I love these conversations between various organizations where you can learn because I'm, I'm having this light bulb moment of multiple organizations that I'm involved in where I think that practice might be really um, healthy for us. So thank you, Nicholas and Greenpeace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And then the other thing that um, just sparked a thought was um, kind of building off of that practice of care. And, and I think something that this app could be part of, uh, you know, helping us generate as like a, a wider progressive movement is thinking about how the right tends to um, really take care more. And I think not always in ways that I, I think are like upfront. I think there's um, an instrumentalization of care sometimes that occurs and like integrating lifestyle and politics with family on the right, but it is effective. And I, and I feel like, again, this project and, and the topics that we're talking about today is something really important to highlight that, you know, on very often, if you're, if you're on the right, or even like in an apolitical frame of mind, we kind of retreat into the family or at least build in, in whether it's friendships or like your family who are blood relations or your partner, that's kind of like, that is our care network and our, our fun network and, and just like all, all the kind of best parts of life. So yeah, I think it's, it's important to build to actively mitigate for the fact that we're generally lacking this in a lot of our 
social change work because change is hard. We can't just sit back and take care of each other. We're also trying to change the world. But yeah, I think it's it's essential that we don't forget that. And I kind of see projects like your app as ways that we we should not be afraid to maybe make it a little more structural and a little more aggressive. So not just sitting down and having a check-in after every meeting, like how's everyone feeling, but what are structures we can put in place and projects we can build that actually integrate the the personal and the care aspects of our life with our social change work. So it doesn't get steamrolled by the urgency of our work. Um, no, definitely. We have, we have uh, one of the biggest asks that I make and that I know that a ton of other uh, volunteers make is specifically that they want to meet as a group and to not have that meeting have like an agenda. We want to meet as a group and we want to talk to each other and meet new people solely on the basis that we have the same values. And it's so wonderful to do like this uh, demonstration that I was at this weekend. I met some new for me, Greenpeace people, and it's just fun to like meet them. And all of a sudden, or you're like, oh, you're a Greenpeace volunteer too. And you have this instant sense of camaraderie. Uh, and another thing that, uh, or there were two more thoughts, but uh, one of them is that uh, this is related to the whole volunteer coordinator uh, thing. Just getting back to that is that one of them told me, and I thought that it was the most like sort of beautiful thing to say. And it's such a simple thing to say, but uh, he asked me if I could do something and uh, I sort of like technically could do it, but I was like, no, because, and I gave him this like explanation or whatever. And he's like, listen, Nicholas, you and I know each other. And let me tell you this, you never, whether it's in this context or any other context, you never have to say anything beyond no. Like no questions. If somebody tells you no, it should be obvious that they have a reason for whatever it is, even if they just don't feel like it. And I just thought that was such a nice thing for him to like enunciate, to say like, hey, listen, you don't ever have to explain yourself to this. But also another thing is that we've been focusing on, and it is at, at the moment a dating app, but yet another thing that we want to add uh, is this platonic matchmaking. So we do want to add, like if there are just people involved in a certain organization who want to meet other people involved in that organization. Say you move to a, a new city, well, then you can meet friends through us too, or you can meet professional contacts. You want to start working with this organization and then you can meet them. So sort of like a, yeah, like a LinkedIn, but the same concept that we have, it's, it's values based. Um, and it would be the same sort of structure. I, I had another question about, putting on um, like the hat of a, a project builder or an organizer, how was it kind of taking this idea from idea to actually not the technical aspects of like the software, but the, the part of the work that involves pitching the idea to other people and other organizations, um, considering it's, it's definitely a more unique idea as far as a, a left project um, and I'm wondering if you if you experienced any any challenges or like the the kind of common issue that pops up where nobody wants to be first to sign on to a a group coalition or project um, because I think that's something that a lot of us 
who are trying to organize things struggle with is like, how do you go from, okay, I have this idea. It might be a little out there. It's different, but like, I think it could be widely beneficial. So how do you, how was it your experience kind of kicking that off? Yeah, that's, that's definitely the, 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 the catch 22. And that's just, it pops up. That's another one of these things that I'm now trying to solve uh, with other organizations precisely because of my, uh, experience with uh, with this app. Uh, so it, exactly, somebody has to be the first. Somebody has to uh, like be willing to take uh, take a chance. And that's also, I have to say, yet another reason that it's so great to have that article out there because it is it's overwhelming if you write an email where you go, "Hey, we have this app," and then like two thousand words of. We also have a, a philosophical and ideological like mission <laughs> with with the whole thing. So that article really helped like explain um, and sort of crack the ice. But yes, that is a big deal, and we're still working with that uh, in New York. Uh, there are lots of organizations, uh, and this is a system critique. It's not a critique of any uh, of the organizations, uh, but they are just so overwhelmed and overworked and understaffed that they simply don't have the time uh, to uh, that it takes to like say you know get into it because it is a bit of a complicated sell uh, and then uh, once we've talked to a couple of people at that organization then it's like hey great we love the idea we just don't want to be the first one which is totally understandable too uh, because it is sort of a, a like reputational risk for them and we're in Sweden. We're not in, in, in America. Why haven't we launched in, in Sweden first? Uh, that was an issue before. So, yeah, there have been those hurdles. But now, especially after your article, we have been getting more uh, organizations. Unfortunately, they haven't been in New York, uh, but uh, that are involved or that are interested. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a real, like, hilarious just, like, series of hurdles. But after 15 years, I, I just... I don't know if it's dedication or fanaticism, but uh, it. I just feel like, yeah, this is now the genie's out of the bottle, and I just I'm so energetic uh, about the whole thing. Uh, so now we are getting over that uh, catch twenty two, and now there's another catch twenty two that started, and that is that people want to know, like the public users, they want to know, okay, but how many how many members do you have? <laughs> and uh, to which I've unlike the the nonprofits, to the members, you can just be a little bit maybe more smug and say, hey, listen, why don't you uh, engage in an act of goodwill, support one of the organizations that we're working with and find out for yourself. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully <laughs> they'll join or be repulsed by my answer. Another, another potential hurdle that I thought about with this project being kind of in the tech sphere, being an app, is I think that there's a lot... I, I've run into a lot more open-mindedness and like clear-sightedness about this recently, but I think it's been a, a past issue of um, progressive movements of being a, a bit tech phobic and for good reason, um, because tech in the hands of the powerful and developed by the powerful is going to serve that power. Um, but I'm wondering if you, if you had any kind of, hesitation based on that this is like a, a, a tech app or what your your thoughts are um, on developing something like this as like a convivial version of the technology and like can can we 
put the technology at our disposal at the service of our aims, even though, you know, most, most of the time it's monopolized by the powerful for profit and for more power. Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, I mean, we, I want to uh, encourage other, uh, like one of the goals is to encourage people to, um, and to show them that, hey, you can, you can do this and you, you don't have to be uh, Google. Uh, we have to use some of this infrastructure. Uh, so we use Google, uh, whatever it is, their like uh, servers. Um, and we have chosen to do that as opposed to using Amazon. Google's half a percent better, uh, but we still choose to use them. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think that, especially in the tech sphere, uh, there are so many opportunities to uh, create alternatives to the the, the giants that that are exist uh, today. There's so many. There's the Tech Workers Coalition, and uh, I can't remember what the, the others are called, but there are lots of these groups um, who are like the, thinking along our same lines. Uh, and they happen to be tech professionals. There's no reason why they couldn't, and this is a suggestion that I've made in lots of cooperative spheres, uh, that they can work on the same sort of basis that my uh, programming and co-founding partner uh, works on. So he has other side gigs, and then he devotes a certain amount of his time uh, to this, and now hopefully uh, more so. Uh, but there are lots of other uh, tech um yeah, solutions that are up and coming uh, and they're having financing uh, issues, but I don't see any reason why um, they can't sort of invest their time uh, in the tech aspects uh, of it and create alternatives to, um, yeah, Google or whoever. And then I also think that we shouldn't think of it in terms of like getting all of this stuff for free. I'm a big proponent of uh, the open source software, but I do think that we should think in terms of uh, like solidarity. And if you if a tech alternative to Google came about, then I think that we should think about that in terms of, okay, but we have to do this on a monthly, like we have to pay them, uh, sustain them every month, and we should do so out of solidarity. Uh, yeah. I, th I think that they just need to adopt that model, but there does seem to be a little bit of an aversion in these groups to having a sort of pay model. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think we can get over it. Yeah, there's lots of, I'm, I'm seeing lots of cool projects. I just saw one, uh, a blockchain based project. I think it's called post-capitalist labs, but they're basically trying to use the technology of blockchain to explore possibilities in democratic and participatory planning. Um, and I mean, like there's, um, there's all sorts of cool work going on with like digital libraries and digital commons. Um, so I think there is, you know, there's much more intersection between tech and, and progressive and more radical projects. And yeah, I just, I, I love examples of kind of taking taking back our creativity, including through technology and putting it to good purposes, to emancipatory purposes. And yes, I think you're right. That involves an uphill battle a lot of times because the the power and money of each industry is so concentrated that we we have to fund our own projects 
Um, so open source and free is great and maybe the ultimate goal, but yeah, we have to, we have to kind of chip in to, to build that infrastructure and to build that, um, that creativity. We're working or I'm working with a, uh, an organization. Uh, I don't want to say their name and it's not because I don't want to give them a shout out. It's just because I haven't like, I'm not that involved with them and I don't know what they would want me to, uh, to, to, uh, like say, but, uh, it is a uh, just a sort of general democ- democracy advocacy organization and uh, like change. And I'm working within that organization in a, a, a like a bank group. And we are trying to help um, some credit unions overcome this catch 22 of uh, most credit unions don't offer that many services. Uh, so we want, because they don't have enough money to do so because the services offering more services and it takes, or it, yeah, it costs a lot of money to hook up to these networks. And then just in terms of compliance, it's very expensive in terms of employees. So we are trying to organize a campaign where we say, okay, uh, you, to get over this catch 22, we need to get uh, a bunch of nonprofit uh, associations together and say, that we commit to using these credit unions, assuming that that you will add these services by, say, 2025 or 2026. And we will gradually give you more and more, put more and more money into your institutions. And we will have a big crowdfunding campaign where we say basically to the climate justice movement in Sweden that, hey, listen, these banks are now actively working to offer more of these everyday services that you want, but you have to join them also like become paying members uh, in order for them to be able to, to, um, to offer those services. So yeah, that catch 22, I think that we can overcome it uh, in the broader tech sphere as well. And cause so many tech people are just like, they're so close to our way of thinking. And then some of them just turn like, I don't know, libertarian or whatever. Uh, but they're so, so, so close and all they're missing is the solidarity aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, there's, I mean, we can do it. There are examples in America uh, of this going on as well. So this is a strange experience for me because I have um, done numerous attempts at things like what you're talking about. That's right. Uh, in, in, in various domains, including encountering the tech folks, but but also the audience, uh, you know, or the potential audience. I wonder if you've thought about the the possibility of becoming a an arm of a consortium of political organizations and groups. It might have the drawback of making it more difficult, but not impossible, to reach out to the library, say, or to organizations that aren't associated that way. And it adds the difficulty of, okay, which groups, um, you know, which political parties, which political movements, which, et cetera. But it does offer the possibility of having a, a wider base of involvement. Maybe that's something to think about. And it may even yield resources when it's a political party that has some grounding and has some, or even in the United States, DSA. Yeah, you know, has far more resources within its reach, not always manifested, but and so their involvement or the involvement of you know something in in more internationally 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Next- no, we're, we're definitely up for it. And I don't think that um, I understand what it is that you're saying. And I understand that, that it could be sort of a concern that if you, if you work with the DSA, then you uh, sort of shut other people out, but that's not, I just, uh, I approach it from like a sort of a naive uh, point of view where I would just say like, yeah, we work with the DSA. And then if somebody brings anything up, then you just go, what's wrong with that? Uh, and if, and as a fundraiser, that's one of the nice things. If we become popular, then we're not convincing the libraries uh, to, uh, you know, it's not a hard sell. We're saying, hey, you can raise some money too. And yes, we're working with uh, the DSA. Uh, so I, for us, it would be fine. Uh, and then it would just be up to the organizations that we Looking off a year from now, two years from now, imagine lots of constituencies and organizations are somehow integrated into this emerging approach. What is it that would be the, uh, the, the unifying element? Is it money, that is fundraising, or is it a desire to impact the culture of activism, the culture of people trying to create a better world, uh, more of what, you know, the, the internal relationships that exist among people, the character and quality of life of people in those domains. Two very different sort of themes, and I think they may lead in significantly different directions. What do you it think? Be, yeah, I, I mean, if we're up for, <laughs> we obviously don't want to work with organizations that don't share our values, but for organizations that do broadly share our values. So if it were, say, uh, just to use the somewhat neutral example of a library, um, we are, if we get to that level uh, that we are a household name, then that will mean for them a very effective and or a cost-effective form of fundraising. So all they have to do is sign up and then they can sort of like cast uh, a line and see if they can uh, generate some money. So I don't see that as like, uh, I don't know, I, I would, it's, it's win-win uh, for them. And then I think that all of these organizations, whatever they are, there are always people, uh, a group of people who are super passionate about them. Uh, and if we become a household name, then I suspect that a lot of those people will say, Hey, listen, have you heard of this? We should be working with uh, this organization. Uh, and yeah, hopefully that can lead to a lot of uh, partnerships, but yeah, as far as the like movement building, I mean, that is what I genuinely do want to do. And we are sort of emerging now. It's not supposed to be that way, but we are emerging as a sort of like a climate justice, uh, app. Uh, but I do want to broaden it. And I don't want to shy away from uh, working with anybody apart from like, obviously like non-aligned groups, precisely because I think that we can bring them into us, into our fold. So we shouldn't see it as like, if we were to work with, I don't want to say any examples because that would just like be me labeling them as like neoliberal groups or whatever. But if we were to work with the like, uh, maybe an environmental group that doesn't take a very hard uh, stance or maybe like a bird watching group or something like that. Uh, I see that as just a good thing and that there might well be conservatives in those organizations. Fine. 
have them meet the rest of us and like build that community and they'll they'll see i think we should be be thinking of it as as you know not left and right but just we are all interested in the same thing and so i i i don't shy away from it i i welcome that uh yeah working but, with all uh, you know i don't know this realm i assume that there are large dating apps yeah um and and you are in some sense um saying to somebody okay come and relate part of the reason to relate is to meet people and maybe to develop friendships relationships maybe partnerships if 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 the person is going to do that you start with the debit of well our pool of potential meetees people who you might meet and, and form relationships with is small at the outset. That's just the way it's going to be. And so why does the person pursue your route with all their limits on their time and everything else as compared to pursuing another route? It seems like if fundraising is the point, right, the, that, the, the the impetus among you and whoever else is involved in deciding things and working up things is to make the audience as large as possible, as fast as possible, in some sense. If impacting the culture of the left is the point, I think while size matters and while reaching out matters, um, maybe there's something else that's driving behavior that's what i'm trying to oh i see yeah I think maybe a difficult maybe a difficult decision to make you know no, for I, see an now. I, I think i misunderstood your last question a little bit but uh, yeah no for us uh, the point is very much to create this sense of community that sense of community and like yeah appealing to the best in people uh, that is what will drive the fundraising but we don't have that that will be the reason that organizations want to work with us and we hopefully uh, will be good at that uh, but yeah the, we don't want to um, if we work with an organization uh, and again I can't think of like uh, uh, one that or maybe like yeah the New York Public Library like that's a pretty broad range of, of donors but if we were to get criticized for working with them it would be like getting criticized for going on you know, Joe Rogan or something like that. You go, that's a huge audience and you want to have that huge audience. If we were to work with the New York Public Library, that would make us a cooperative, a worker-owned cooperative uh, that is like actively trying to create this uh, movement. Uh, okay, they, they platform us. That's great. We shouldn't shy away from that. But no, exactly. Like we, I've already told my programming partner and from the beginning, like I said, this is not a millionaire or billionaire machine. That's not our goal. We'll do fine. Uh, but our goal is to create uh, community and to, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, do a little bit of movement building and to uh, promote the idea of uh, economic democracy. And then as for the Tinder thing, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are I don't think that we can or want to become uh, an app that has, uh, you know, 500 million users uh, or whatever. And if it were, if we were to get to that point, then it would just have to be like 
we would allow people to just copy our model. And if they want to uh, start our type of thing in Argentina, then they're welcome to do so, but they have to do so in accordance with uh, our values. Uh, but uh, no, we don't, we don't see ourselves as a competitor to either fundraising platforms uh, or uh, dating apps. Uh, if people want to, I mean, we don't even see people or we don't see our monthly membership fee as an expense, so to speak. It's, it's 90% of it is going to charity uh, and we take a fee of 7.5%. So they pay $10 or whatever it is to uh, Tinder or whoever, uh, and that goes to them and it promotes their uh, project. Whereas in our case, 90% of it, or even 95% of it goes back to the community, either in the form of donations or uh, as taxes. Um, and that's another one of these, uh, it's not meant to toot my own horn, but just one of these, like how we are thinking and, and the design is truly like, meant to be good from the ground up. And we were advised by all of the lawyers who we talked to that we should uh, incorporate in Delaware, first of all, because it's much easier for foreign corporations to do. And then there are uh, massive tax advantages. Uh, and yeah, it's just a generally like apparently an easier thing to do. But we said, no, we want to do it in New York. And they go, okay, that's like half your... <laughs> Uh, revenues right there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we don't want to shy away from that. We do want to prove that, uh, yeah, this is what we're all about. And that's one of those very behind the scenes, little nuggets of our thinking, but nonetheless. I think it's maybe something else that, that I, I heard you mention that deserves to be highlighted is we've talked a lot about how um, this can be a project of um, kind of healing and, and regenerative culture for the left, which I think it could be and is very important. But something you mentioned also is that it's not, you know, we need to not have this left-right thinking. What this, what this also is, is making participation, making democracy in its true form a bit nicer and a bit less disconnected, a bit less alienated, bringing it back to, look, this is your life and affects how you relate to the people around you and the things you do every day, um, whether at work or at home or hanging out. So I feel like that that's something that also deserves to be highlighted is, yes, we can improve left culture and seek out alliances with you know very like-minded groups and people, but this is also about branching out and showing people who have different politics or think that they have no politics that participation and getting involved in democracy isn't as horrible as we are conditioned to think that it is. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's funny, too, because I get a lot of a lot of the organizations that I reach out to, I have found on uh, lists that are uh, very like they're, they're associated with some form of economic democracy, like advocating maybe for a public bank or something like that. Or one of those, one of the organizations that was uh, part of this, uh, there were like 500 organizations that backed this, um, the March to End Fossil Fuels or something in New York City uh, this past summer. Um, and that was a treasure trove because then you go like there are organizations there uh, and on other lists of similar things where it's like, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but it was like a New York chorus something, 
chorus uh, singers association or something. And you go, who could ever put a like political label on that organization? And yet they are uh, putting their name behind the end or the march to end fossil fuels because it should be a non-political uh, issue. And so we would love to work with an organization like that because why not? Why assume that just because they're not, you know, dedicating themselves to like or chaining themselves to oil drums or whatever that uh, and getting arrested that they're not dedicated to it as well or that it's at least not uh, you know on their minds and yes if we can bring them into the fold then hopefully we can get them uh, even more active than they might otherwise be so yeah we uh, it's a uh, <laughs> like i said it's it's maybe it's a bit arrogant but yeah we we really do think that we can appeal to a ton of different uh, groups of people um, on all sorts of different levels. Well, I, I don't think it's arrogant at all. I think um, the message that we all can just do what we can in our own ways is the most powerful message. And especially if that involves kind of making participation, not not seem like an extremist sport anymore. Like it's <laughs> it's not radical. It's like, actually it's quite normal. Um, to participate in your own life and we all can, and we all should. So yeah, it's an example. You're doing it in, in your way. And you've, I mean, you've dedicated you and your team a lot to this project, but it's just, you know, one example of how we can all do our little things in our own ways and be, you know, we're all pulling at each little thread, but it's all the same knot. So definitely, yeah. definitely. And that's another, uh, I should like say this about myself and other people that I am very lucky to have been able to uh, been like to have worked on this as long as I have. And then I'm also very lucky. There were a lot of just luck elements in getting it going now. And there are a ton of projects like this just because we're so inundated with negativity all the time. There are so many projects like this and not exactly like ours, but just people trying to do things that are better. And it's usually like a little like tempeh bakery or something like that. And that doesn't get a big, uh, like a lot of attention. And we happen to, uh, but there are so many projects out there that, uh, yeah, like I don't want to sound like the naive, uh, whatever, like it's so easy to change the world, but it's, it's naive to think that it's 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 uh, it's easy, but it's it's wrong to think that it's impossible. Uh, so yeah, there are for every project like ours that you see, there are ten thousand that you've never heard of, where there are people who are just as dedicated and who don't have the like maybe the luck of being born into uh, the families that that our team has. So yeah, I just think that. Um, the idea of love, whether it's romantic love or just love between friends, community, family, whatever, that's like something that is really powerful and in a lot of ways still free. Um, and it, it's just a really powerful lever for us for movement building. Michael, I know I um, was thinking back, wondering what your thought, your original thoughts were when you saw this app, having lived through kind of the 60s and development of like hippie culture and new left and like the mass movement and like the, the mass cultural appeal of living differently. And I know there was lots of problems, you know, strains where it became more of like a escapist culture or a fashion than actual, like a true political thing. But I think 
the politics were much more infused in the lifestyle in that period than what I've ever experienced in my life other than within, you know, small active groups. So I, I just think that any effort to like make that mass appeal and I, you know, I've never used a dating app, but I know significant numbers of people use them of all ages. So I, yeah, I just think it's, it's an exciting idea. I don't know, Michael, what do you think? Is this, are we, should we be looking for ways to bring back the 60s vibe or is that more problematic than it's worth? It depends which part. Yeah. You know, when in the 60s you were driving on a highway and you passed a car and you did this, giving a peace sign or this, raising a fist, you got it back. And that part is good. That part community, a sense of being part of something that other people are a part of, and of having some sort of instant recognition. All that's good. It's not so good when psychologizing and manipulating and competing distorts the intent. When I heard about the idea, I sort of, I mean, there's another dimension of, of it, um, it's addressing a problem, or I think it's addressing a problem that's real and that matters greatly. It often f- seems to me that, you know, when we're talking about the fourth decimal point of the operations of the uh, financial world, we're spinning our wheels compared to when we're talking about, if we were to be talking about, the the mental state, the emotional state of of the people who are ostensibly trying to change the world. But for me, there's another dimension to this, which is that um, I really have been involved with any number of efforts that sound, that have things in common with this, trying to create a mechanism for donate, for, you know, for raising money for the left. The idea was to do like what Paul Newman's salad dressing did. How much more mainstream can you get than that? With software. So people would, a a company would generate software with the purpose of, so it had two dimensions, with the purpose of helping with tasks that exist on the left, outreach, dealing with finances, all kinds of tasks, but the software would be geared to the left orientation of that. And at the same time, all the money generated would go back into the left. So that was one. Or we had something we tried to do called share world all the way back when the web didn't exist, trying to create a an alliance between um, progressive groups. But we wanted the Democratic Party in it. We wanted the AFL-CIO in it. We wanted, same as your sentiments, um, we got really, really close. We had agreements from lots of those groups. And so the, the trying to remember the name of the, America Online was a system that existed, and we were basically trying to create Share World as an alternative to that, um, in which all these organizations would be in it. They would all be outreaching to the other organizations' memberships and allowing outreach to their memberships and sharing program and on and on. And, uh, got really close. It's not an easy path you're on. I'm not going to 
make believe it is. We also tried to generate an alternative to face, uh, Facebook and Twitter. Got close again. That involved big money, and therefore we had to get an, a state, a political entity involved. But none of them succeeded, so I'm very hesitant to give you the slightest bit of advice, <laughs> because uh, having failed at most of these things, you know, getting close, eh, horseshoes, it, it, it only counts in horseshoes. Getting close isn't good enough. You can take lessons from it, but you have to succeed. We're not in a game where it's just how you play the game. That's what it should be. But we're in a game where you have to win or you're fucked. But you're trying, and your optimism and your energy are great. And I think the real question to how well you succeed is probably going to be how well people, and particularly progressive and left people, reaching all the way into society, not the Znet audience, but all the way into society, recognize the kinds of things that Alexandria is saying, which is that it's not a diversion from trying to make the world a better place. It's not irrelevant to trying to make the world a better place. It's actually far more central to and relevant to that than much of what we think about and do. No, but you're absolutely right. And just to uh, like, not to blow smoke here, but uh, as I told you, uh, Michael, I mean, part of the reason that uh, like this, I've been working on this for 15 years and uh, I realized that change was possible uh, 10 years ago. And that was also largely because of uh, you and Chomsky. Uh, so that, I mean, that formed my thinking. So where you see a, like a failure in uh, maybe not, getting your own tech thing off the ground in the 90s, well, your thinking has now left its mark on our uh, app. So yeah, and, and I think that uh, like what the two different things that you were describing there, the two different tech attempts, I think that that could be and should be uh, adopted by another group of uh, you know, progressive tech yeah. entrepreneurs uh, who could bring that to fruition. Because I think now the like, the circumstances are so ripe and they're so like screaming for change. And I don't know that they were in the mid nineties. Um, no. 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 So now I think that like we have that advantage too, that we are offering something different and this might not have worked uh, 30 years ago. Well, we're, we're actually at an hour and almost 10 minutes. I wonder if there's something that we haven't asked you or discussed that you want to put out there of import to the project, you know, of import to the project, uh, making headway. Cause part of what we are trying to do is give you an audience. It's a small audience, but it's probably a meaningful audience. In that case, if there are people out there with connections, uh, to nonprofit organizations uh, that are aligned with the values that uh, we've been discussing, uh, in New York or Washington DC or California, uh, please do get in touch. How do they get in touch? They can just go to singlesproject.org and just contact. Uh, and I think that I get that uh, email. Yeah, otherwise it's just my first name uh, at our site. And um, yeah, please do reach out. And then once we uh, launch in New York, which will hopefully be uh, quite soon, uh, then uh, yeah, it, help us get over that catch 22 uh, and uh, join uh, and tell your friends to, uh, to join. But yeah, I, I'm honestly, I, I know that 
I've said this before uh, in our course, but uh, I'm very lucky to uh, be as naive as I am uh, and that <laughs> I don't see, uh, I, I just see the possibilities. And I am very aware of uh, that there are obstacles, but I just see it as something to, uh, to get past. So after 15 years, I'm more like, yeah, all right, so yet another obstacle, let's go. I'll tell you from, from where I sit, that attitude that mindset is probably the most important thing to bring to, you know, it's not having read 37 books. It's that kind of, as long as it's realistic, as long as you can keep your eye on, you know, a sense of proportion, that's incredibly important. Congratulations that, yeah. on having that and on having, I think, a good but difficult idea. It's an uphill battle, but we'll get there. I'll, I'll add a final interjection in, in response to Michael's realism and Nicholas's optimism is that I, I don't know if this is naive and optimistic or like realist to the point that I'm finding joy and doom. But, you know, Michael, I get what you're saying where you point out that we're, we're in a place right now in the world where if we don't win, you know, uh, whether it's uh, dealing with inequality or uh, rising fascist tendencies or the environmental catastrophes and surpassing most of the planetary bounds, I get what you're saying that if we don't win, <laughs> that's it. We're dead or we're ruined or, you know, whatever. But what I would say is that even under those worst and most dire of circumstances, I would rather be annihilated in a world where I had experienced strong relationships than not. So to me, it, it's still, there's still room for optimism and there's still, you know, even if this project fails or other projects fails or your previous project failed, if it can even improve people's ability to relate to each other a little bit. I mean, I, I would rather go down in that situation <laughs> than in an alienated state. So for me, no matter what, it's a benefit. Um, and I think there is no chance of overcoming all these obstacles unless we address our ability to relate to each other and really heal that. So I think stuff like this, it's our, it's our best hope not just for survival and winning, but even when we can't control outcomes and most of the time we can't, it's improving lives, which is something. Yeah, no, it's not something, it's a lot. And, uh, but just to be clear, <coughs> I'm generally considered to be the most outrageously optimistic. Um, <laughs> you just have to have both. Um, yeah. And uh, your formulation of seeing things as obstacles rather than as disasters and moving on to overcome them. One of my favorite quotes is, you lose, you lose, you lose, you win. Um, <laughs> there which you go. came from uh, Rosa Luxemburg, a famous nice. German revolutionary. And it's true. And it's true partly for the reasons you indicated. While you seem to be losing, you're developing for yourself and for others knowledge, experience that then percolates again and eventually percolates enough to, to win. Um, and that's what we'll all try for. 
Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and I'd love to uh, to come on again, and and hopefully as we progress, uh, we can uh, do a little series about this and how it's going. Well, we'll see. Hopefully that will occur. Um, it's the same thing as Alexandria. Come on again to talk about the the ongoing enlargement and success of, say, Z Network, where she works, or other stuff that she works on. Anyway, Fantastic. okay. In that case, if if we're okay, then. Maybe that's it. This is Mike Albert signing off until next time for Revolution Z in hopes that and in efforts that our struggles uh, begin to manifest not only uh, political sophistication, but a kind of awareness of the need for humane involvement, connection, culture inside of what we do.